AJ Products, we're dedicated to delivering intelligent solutions tailored exclusively for your business needs. Spanning offices, warehouses, industries, workshops, schools and public spaces. Specialising in warehouse and project planning, we bring efficiency and sustainability to the forefront. Our offerings include versatile storage solutions and comprehensive office project design and implementation. With over 45 years of experience, we stand as your trusted partner in smart B2B solutions. To explore all we have to offer, visit ajproducts.ie and elevate your business with AJ Products. Since the Russian invasion two years ago, 105,000 Ukrainians have arrived in Ireland seeking refuge. I think without doubt we're going to have a long-term Ukrainian population. There's a lot of Ukrainians here. There's young kids in the school. That'll be a massive benefit to this town. And I do believe a lot of these Ukrainians would love to stay in Ireland. This week, my colleague Sarika Pollock travelled to the seaside town of Bundoran in Donegal, where the sizeable influx of citizens of Odessa, Kharkiv and other war-torn cities have integrated into the community. I heard that Bundoran in Donegal, a tourism town that most people know about, had welcomed a significant number. In fact, the town's population had increased by nearly 50% because of the numbers of Ukrainians who had arrived in the past two years. So I decided to drive over there and, and chat to some people. When we came here, we don't know what will be. We just, okay, we are safe, we are here. All the time I want to return back to Odessa, but I'm not sure if it's safe enough. When I arrived to Ireland, it was really close to my birthday. It was really, really hard to celebrate it in, in, without my father and other people from my family. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the Ukrainians making Bondoran their home. Sarika, could I ask you of your first impressions of Bondoran? So myself and my colleague Enda arrived into the town about 9am on Wednesday morning. So most of the schools had started at this point. The town seemed quite quiet. It was a blustery, a stereotypically blustery, windy day. But then by midday, it was beautiful sunshine in Irish style. And the streets were quiet enough, but there were a few people moving around. I met a few Ukrainians, older Ukrainians down for their morning walk by the seaside. I also spoke to two young Ukrainians who were out surfing. The town seemed quiet though, and you couldn't help noticing that there's still a lot of buildings boarded up. It it's very much gives the impression of the former glory of a tourist location that doesn't exist anymore because Irish people go abroad for their holidays. So I also should point out it's February. It's cold. Who's going to Bundoran? So I really was just seeing the town with its residents. But you see what's happened now is there are nearly a thousand, between 850 and 950 Ukrainians there. So that's a significant number of people when the population of the town is 2,400. So there has been a knock-on effect, I suppose, in just kind of the hustle and bustle and the economics of the town through these quieter winter months. And in Bundoran, are Ukrainians accommodated mostly in people's homes or mostly in bed and breakfasts or mostly in hotels? 
So according to the Department of Integration, 580 Ukrainians are currently being housed by state accommodation. That means they're either in B&Bs or hotels. Some of them are in apartments and houses. But then there's others who have since moved into their own housing. There's a small number of host families. But the majority, yes, would be between hotel rooms and in some cases, small apartments. Okay, one of the women you met, a uh, 29-year-old doctor, she was a doctor in Odessa, Hanna Balatsaitska, uh, apologies for the pronunciation. She arrived in Bundoran two years ago, just as the war started. What's her story? I'm from Odessa, I city of Odessa, and I'm already a year and a half in Ireland. I came with my sister and my mother mm-hmm. and two dogs. I have Newfoundland and Labrador. <laughs> So Hannah, as you mentioned, is 29. Uh, She had been working as a neonatologist in Odessa for two years when the war broke out. She also speaks extremely good English. When I asked how, she said, because a lot of people in Ukraine speak very good English, it's almost a third language for some of us. I speak English and uh, I think it's much easier for me to find something to do as a doctor to work because the first step uh, Finding a job is a language barrier, so that's why I thought that Ireland would will suit because I don't speak Polish or any other languages. She, as I will explain in a moment, has been very involved in a clinic in the town, but with regards to her own career, she is almost fully registered with the Medical Council. She's says she's a member of a small group of Ukrainian doctors who have gathered together to support one another in Ireland and getting back into their careers. However, she cannot go straight into neonatology and dealing with newborn babies. She'll have to do about five or six years in paediatrics before she can go into that specialty. But she was surprisingly optimistic about that. And what's she been doing? So when she arrived, she was among the very first Ukrainians to arrive in Bundoran in March 2022. When I arrived in Ireland, I just... uh they just say to me that we find a place to live for your family because uh, we have two dogs. It's hard to get accommodation with two dogs. So that's why uh, we find place in Bondorn. And it quickly became clear that despite some supports from the town, there needed to be organisers within the Ukrainians themselves. And she was one of those. She went and contacted the local surgery with her sister and said, can I help with any in any way to bring Ukrainians here? And effectively since then has set up what she calls the Ukrainian clinic, which is two days a week. Ukrainians can visit the GP surgery. She acts as an interpreter and they get to visit the GP with her help. Well, now, one of the fears, of course, in local communities, especially rural communities, is that the arrival of refugees will put pressure on local services like GPs. Has has that been the case? That's a legitimate concern. And actually, that was one of the red flags that was raised in an otherwise very positive situation in Mondoran, that while this project that Hannah has set up to allow Ukrainians healthcare is working, There have been complaints by some people, particularly people not who live in Bundoran full time, but people who perhaps maybe spend a few months during the summer that they are struggling to see the doctor when they arrive into their holiday homes. So and we have two Ukrainian clinics now, so their people can book their appointment to be as a doctor. And it's really easy. We do not disturb practice. The Irish Irish Irish, visits. Yeah, and the Irish visits and the doctor doesn't need to spend a lot of time to organize and everything. So the people know that every Tuesday and every Friday, like they have five slots available for to be booked by Ukrainians. Another person you spoke with is Connor McAniff, because of course, 
the influx of people means accommodation has to be found. He is from a very well-known Donegal family. Um, he owns a hotel called the Allingham Arms, which is very well known throughout the country for its its country music uh, gigs that ha- goes on there. But what was interesting to me was that he's not using the Allingham Arms as a accommodation for Ukrainian refugees. We met in the Allingham Arms, so we sat in the very large foyer of the hotel. It's huge. It sits right on uh, the seafront. It's got an incredible view across the Atlantic. The waves were crashing in while we sat there. And he immediately said, when I asked about the hotel itself, he said, no, this is for the tourism. This is the hotel. It's been in his family for over 30 years. It used to belong to his sister. And he said, this is where the country and music events happen. And I'm not going to change that. That is for those guests. No, this this. Uh family-run hotel always with country music. I would never have thought of hosting anything but keeping it as it is for the tourism. It's very, this hotel is very important for Bundoran. But he ha- is operating four other uh, locations in the town where he's housing close to 200 Ukrainians. He was one of the first as well. His B&B Bayview and Viscount were both open for uh, Ukrainian refugees as soon as the first busloads arrived in March. And another, he's got another venue as well. He's got a former hostel and then he also refurbished uh, what he said was a building he was using for storage and which now has 14 bedrooms. The department had been ringing and ringing and ringing looking for rooms. They came to me looking, they were ringing all the time asking, have you any more rooms available? So we went ahead and we converted uh, two sort of derelict houses into 14 bedrooms. So the Ukrainian, the influx of Ukrainians has been good for business for him. He sees it as a positive because, I mean, let's be honest, he's making money. He was also stopped and videoed recently and he showed me the video just a few days ago by a far-right agitator who's one of those people who's gone around to hoteliers around the country questioning why they're hosting refugees and he was stopped outside the hotel. Are, are you the owner of the building? Why are you housing foreigners of the Irish people? Foreigners? Yes. What do you mean foreigners? Are they not foreigners in that place there? And he said the person claimed that by him hosting Ukrainians, he was taking jobs away from the people and affecting the tourism. He disputes this 100%. I would say to that man, we need immigrants in this country. Otherwise, our economy, especially the hospitality industry, wouldn't survive. There's a lot of um, Ukrainians employed in the town, in the hospitality industry. And I, I, I believe they're a massive benefit to the town. What happens during the summer, though? If accommodation has been holiday accommodation has been taken up by Ukrainians, what happens during the summer? Well, I put that question to John O'Donnell from Discovering Bunoran, and he said there's still more than enough beds for the tourists. Now he said Saturday nights might be a problem, and but he said Saturday nights were a problem before the Ukrainians arrived. It's their most popular night of the week, and both he, the owner of the Schlieve League Hotel, who's also a local uh, estate agent, told me that there's you call any night of the week apart from a Saturday night, you'll always get a hotel room in the town. And um, six thousand beds is what uh, John O'Donnell told me about availability in the town. Have there been protests about Ukrainians or refugees arriving in Bundoran? Not in the same way that we've seen in other towns. Um, I do. I have heard of a very small proportion of people pushing back against the arrivals, or they were described by many people as the 1%. Some people told me that actually they don't think they're even from Bundoran, they're from outside the town. But they have made themselves heard and there have been situations where local people have been made to feel a bit uncomfortable about their facilities being used by Ukrainians because of these claims made by these groups. But that brings me on to 
Bondoran being this very interesting case study as to why it's worked, why when we are hearing about a lot of towns where people have genuine concerns about facilities and resources and then other situations where um, these concerns are being hijacked by far-right groups and then in the most extreme situation, arson attacks, Bondoran everything seems to have worked quite well. Quite a few people I spoke to told me that this is because they have a history of visitors. I spoke to a woman called Jolene Kuiper Machado, who is uh, from Donegal Local Development Company. And she spoke a bit to me about Donegal and Bundoran's history with people coming from the north during the Troubles. And that Bundoran has a lot of tourists coming from the north anyway, but actually for 30 years during the Troubles, people were coming and settling in Bundoran. And these were people who were highly traumatised from what they'd seen. So they have hosted people or welcomed people before coming from a war zone effectively. People do have that understanding of what it's like to live under those sort of circumstances where you're constantly living in fear and the need to escape to somewhere safe. I think people here do have a good understanding of that. I'll continue my conversation with Sara Kapolik after this short break. At AJ Products, we're dedicated to delivering intelligent solutions tailored for your business needs. Specialising in warehouse and project planning, we bring efficiency and sustainability to the forefront. To elevate your business, visit ajproducts.ie. When you were out and about talking to Ukrainians who have now been in Bundoran for two years, two years is a long time, you put down roots, you have kids in school, you might get a job. Do you get a sense that people are going to want to move home? That is a question I put to every Ukrainian I spoke to, and it is a mixed bag of answers. There was one woman I spoke to who arrived in Ireland actually on the very first busload that went to Bundoran with her teenage son. And she's counting down the seconds till she can go back. She was a hotel administrator in uh, Kharkiv. She now works as a cleaner in an amusements arcade. She says the job is fine. It's not what she wants to do, but that's not the issue. Her parents are still in Kharkiv and her husband is still in Kharkiv. And her son is not settling well in the town. So she is ready to go back. In contrast, I spoke to a psychologist, also called Hannah, who has started working as a psychologist for the Ukrainian community in liaising with the HSE. So she's doing work in her area of expertise. She's become very involved in the community through Tidy Towns. I met some members of Tidy Towns and that seems to have been a really good tool for integrating people into the community. She's clearly a real get up and goer. And she loves it and she has her kids and her husband and she does not want to leave in the long term. She says it's a great place to bring up her children. Did you get an idea, Sarka, of how much they're still in touch with home? Like, for example, and maybe this is unlikely, have they visited home? Again, it was mixed. I mean, I spoke to two women who are from the Kharkiv region and immediately said, if when I asked would they go, go back on a holiday, they said, there's no way. It's too dangerous. We will be risking our children's lives if we go. But later in the afternoon, speaking of children, I was speaking to a very gorgeous group of 10, 11 and 12 year olds. And it turned out that three out of four of them had gone back during the summer for a short holiday. Um, two of them from the Kiev region and then one of them was from further east. So not Kharkiv region, but from other parts. And they offered up this information because they'd gotten to see their dads for the first time in a year and a half. And they were so excited to tell me about seeing their dads. Did you then think that there was sort of a a disjoint then between they're here seeking refuge 
and yet they can go home on holidays? I mean, it's a good question because, and that question was asked when the government announced that Ukrainians were entitled to return home for short periods. But I mean, you could argue that you have children who've been separated from their fathers for a year and a half. Perhaps mothers are willing to take the risk. As I said, I spoke to two women who said they would not take the risk, they would not go back. Their parents are still there, but interestingly, their husbands are with them in Ireland. So perhaps it's just taking advantage of what they perhaps see as a lull in the fighting to visit a loved one. Do you get a sense from talking to the Ukrainians that they are aware that things are changing for them in terms of our social welfare system here and the supports that are going to be offered to them? So on the changes to the social welfare payments and the amount of time that they will be accommodated, I checked yesterday and that hasn't actually come into effect yet. It was expected to come into effect in early February, but it still hasn't. And what are those changes? Changes are that you will just, you will be accommodated for 90 days if you are Ukrainian and you arrive in Ireland tomorrow, as opposed to being given state accommodation kind of indefinitely at the moment. And previously, Ukrainians who arrived in Ireland were receiving €220 a week in social welfare supports. That will be reduced to the €38.80, which international protection applicants now receive. That has not come into effect yet. But one of the women I spoke to in Bondoran, who is another very active community member, and her name is Yulia. She is a a professor in economics from the the city of Sumi. And she told me that she's already seen the effect of that in the last few weeks. She's seen numbers drop. She also thinks a lot of Ukrainians are accepting of that decision because they recognise that something had to be done, that the numbers coming in were too large for Ireland to cater. Also next March, just over 12 months time, the EU's uh, temporary protection directive will come to an end. And Ukrainians are very cognizant of this and they're nervous. And that's Europe-wide, is it? Europe-wide. Now, they might extend it further. It seems unlikely, but they may. We don't know what's going to happen. But what it means is that the protections the Ukrainians have enjoyed since March 2022, that makes them better treated, let's say, than international protection applicants will disappear and they will be treated just like anyone else who arrives from Afghanistan, from Somalia, where be it. Um, And they are concerned about accessing work, about how they will be treated in the community, about accommodation, all the things you would worry about. So it's 12 months away, but 12 months goes by very quickly. Now, you're kind of painting a picture of this sort of nirvana, actually, of integration, um, (laughs) which always, I suppose, makes me a little bit suspicious. I mean, surely it can't all be that plain sailing. No, it's not. I mean, it couldn't be. And as I mentioned, there has been pushback. And uh, the hoteliers I spoke to say they have been stopped numerous times by people on the street who say, what's wrong with you? Why are you bringing Ukrainians into the town? Um, And obviously community workers are going to be involved in integration and I'm meeting Ukrainians who are very involved in integration as well. There's two sides to this. There are Ukrainians who don't integrate at all. And I was told that a lot of the older Ukrainians really keep to themselves and don't want to mix. They can't, they struggle with the language and they see being here as a very, very temporary thing. Um, And then meanwhile, you have the slight unease. Everyone in Mondoran is aware of what's going on in the country. They've seen the reports about the arson attacks. They've seen the protests. And so There is a small number who have heard those voices and think, is this the right thing to be doing? But Bondoran surprised me. I wouldn't describe it as a nirvana of integration, but they seem to have figured something out very well. And 
Is that because of the geographic location that it's off in its own little world in Donegal and it's far away from other places? Is it because of its history of tourism, as people spoke to me about, that they have a, a culture of welcoming people, not only Poles and Brazilians and Ukrainians, but they have foreign students come every summer to learn languages. You could argue that they are all, most of them are white people who are coming. We're not talking about uh, black people from Africa. We're not talking about asylum seekers. And on asylum seekers is a very small number of international protection applicants in the town, but it's, it's minimal. But they seem to go quite under the radar and people didn't know much about them. That's it for today. For more reporting on the war in Ukraine, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode is produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.